There's an occasion of Dhamma practice, Dhamma truth, the order, what makes the sense, <laughs> the basic sanity, and the things that come into harmony. And this is experience through citta. Chitta, so it's his term. So someone's asking, is this the same as, is this awareness, is this attention, is this consciousness, this mind? It depends really what these words mean, but consciousness is the Pali word vijnana, refers to a particular something that gets activated uh, it's activated around sense sense contact including the mind which generates a boundary between a subject and an object of course the boundary is not marked with a line but it's a felt boundary I'm in here, you're out there that was yesterday, now today Tomorrow is over there. So we say there are, you know, we don't we notice there is a boundary, but there's clearly a separation between a this and a that, a here and a there, and a me and a you, and even internal boundaries between what I am, what I should be, uh, between me and my mind, between my hope and my fear. Uh, all kinds of dualisms that can get very uh, disturbing in the dualism as a search for how to come into a unity which means that the desirable if I unite with the desirable I will come into unity if I unite, unite with that desirable thing over there or out there or in the future then I will come into a unity if I I'm able to resolve, clear, make comfortable what's over there, then I will come into unity. If I get other people happy, comfortable, I will come into unity. So these translate into very, you know, very mundane and, and natural 
um, inclination, not, not immoral, necessarily, some of them are. I want to grab what I can of that over there, <laughs> whether they like it or not. <laughs> and then, of course, to get rid of what's the difficult things are on the other side of the boundary. You know, the uncertainty of the future, I want to eliminate that. don't like that at all. Uh, the regrets of the past, I want to get, forget those. You know. The annoying person, you shut her out of my life. And so on and so on and so on. The things about myself that I don't feel so good about, I want to you know, cut that off. So these, around these boundaries cluster various tensions and uh, pulls and pushes and activations. It's consciousness. Mm. Not a comfortable experience. Not a resolved experience. Not a finally restful experience. The Buddha said, you can realize the cessation of consciousness dispassion towards it, cessation of it. It doesn't mean it died. So this is this word in, in Buddha language consciousness is just that this reflexive this that generation, generation of a this that and, uh, and this, is, this is the experience that we come into that um, so this is uh, so what and the chitta can know can realize the sensation of consciousness so chitta is not quite the same as consciousness is it? Is it saying the one directs one's chitta to his aggregates Noticing uh, the cessation, ending of craving, dispassion, nibbana. This is sublime, this is peaceful. So, jitta can somehow apprehend or realize this non constricted state. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, there are times when that, those moments happen, when the seemingly uh, stopping of the boundaries, when we feel harmonious with other people or comfortable with ourselves the stress of the boundary is, is relaxed and we feel really you know, uh, beautiful and, and no longer so much me in a way no longer so pressurized inside this which is at ease notice that mm-hmm. the partial glimpses we get of the possibility mm-hmm. So, so what, what is chitta then? <laughs> is it attention? Not exactly. Attention is forming a boundary. Form a boundary which then becomes our focus within this. That's the boundary forming. Chitta can be aware of attention where attention goes, where attention is narrow, what it's driven towards, what it gets hypnotized by, 
So this is the, the ceasing of that, the relaxing of that. Doesn't mean one is stupid. The tension releases. What's that then? They might say awareness. Or we use words, you're still, still aware. Not that these boundaries are useless at all. We function through those, we're able to make use of those. But we're using them to eliminate not so much boundaries as the fear, the craving, hostility, the intimidations, the jealousies, the anxieties that cluster. When we're in this experience, this life experience, boundaries are part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. not have boundaries it's going to be a real problem for yourself and others. So it's just to acknowledge the apprehension or the comparison between self and others, what I could be, what I should be, uh, what I want to be. Acknowledge these kinds of qualities as stressful. Mm. And could it, and if you, is it possible to relax those? qualities. So the boundaries are perhaps just kind of like uh, conventional, we might say. This is my pair of socks. But if you need them, that's okay. not ultimately mine. <laughs> oh, they don't have to be the bed better than yours, or I take a stand on them. So then, so what can do that? That's a property of chitta, the ability to discern, to clear, to acknowledge the stress, suffering, and to acknowledge that and to release that. That's a property of chitta. That's a possibility. So this. And how how do we how is that brought around? Well this Buddha always talks in terms of graduated paths, graduated sequences start with this and you go to that, that causes that to happen and you move on to this. Um, it's gradually direct, it can be directed or directs itself but it's off, can be guided. The jitta is, some, is an experience that's defined as is touched by perceptions and feeling. This is what Cigarette. Perceptions, meanings, impressions, interpretations, assessments. Something we see, something that reminds us of, we sum it up as we are, um, are able to identify it. Green or black or round or purple or man or woman or person's name or something. So that's sanya, perception. And of course, this perception mechanism, we see things as hostile 
frightening, joyful, and so forth. Joy. Those all perceptions, meanings, interpretations, signs. And jitter is affected, trembles with that. And with that feeling, agreeable feeling, disagreeable feeling. This is this is what it, it doesn't see anything. It doesn't hear anything. It doesn't taste anything. It only experiences perceptions, things. Perceptions of taste. Perceptions of... This is why some per, one person may enjoy the flavour of something and the other person find it disgusting. Because mm. uh, these perceptions are very... Taste is the same, technically, but the perceptions are chitta-specific. And chitta, as it comes into this um, formation, is subjectively tinted. It's also a process that is a, is, has the ability to acquire dispositions. It learns. That which learns and acquires dispositions, preferences, biases, uh, gets traumatized, gets deeply stuck, gets locked. Uh, and it's the understanding of this uh, conducive to a sense of sangwega, like regret, sober, sober sadness, and also a sense of urgency. This must be, this is damaging, this is limiting, there's something precious here that could be released through our practice. Perception, feeling, it acquires, it acquires dispositions. And it reacts. It sends out reactions, responses. Skillful, unskillful, confused. Um, and so on. So the two levels of, of release are, are one something we might have some some say over at first, which is just how we how we react. We can at least restrain reactions that we know are directly unhelpful, stressful, abusive to ourselves and others. We can restrain those. Dispositions are more difficult. We can't stop feeling you know, nervous or shy or frightened or exuberant or excitable. Can't stop that. But there is a training whereby those dispositions can also be understood, uh, moderated and no longer fixed. So this begins with establishing a step-by-step process of um, boundaries, centre boundaries, and then within that, as you contemplate, let the chitta rest in that. And this process of resting uh, enables the dispositions to be released. Great idea. Take a rest, problems are over.
But of course, sleeping doesn't do it. Resting, the resting means that we can experience these dispositions, these tendencies arising, you know, tendency towards compulsiveness of one kind or another. You, know, you experience those arising, and instead of them becoming, oh, this is what I am, myself, I better do something about this, and people want me to do this, or I should never be like that. You know, this is a disposition towards say, you know, excitement or agitation or fear just this, this and you just rest in that rest, place restfulness over it as I've said before, it's like spreading awareness over that and breathing or spreading wishing goodwill, kindness awareness over these dispositions. So we don't try to stop them, follow them, create a self out of them. So the, the most significant keystone to that, although it's somewhat very cryptic, is to not identify. But um, this means, you know, though it's easy enough as a concept, it's very difficult as an experience. Because that which arises in jitta very much seems like myself. Nothing else to base it on. The self is that which arises in, my, in jitta. So we begin to, you know, just become much more objective about a subjectivity. This is the arising of this quality. And so rather than myself, we say this is the rising of tension or uh, holding or reactivity. And gradually growing perhaps less and less uh, reactive to that, less and less guilty about that, less and less fascinated by that, just by that process of being aware of it and maintaining steady awareness. There's a need for that grounding reference. So we can't say it's somebody else or self. We see this as a disposition, agitations, tensions, uh, abysses, strategies arising. These qualities. And then what do they need? Not what do I need, but what do they need? I generally need to get rid of them. (laughs) But that isn't really the right response. So what is needed so often is just that, you know, first of all, acceptance, like this non-claiming, non-tightening up. You experience selfhood, you know, rather than a name, it is an experience of a certain contraction around these arising tendencies certain clamping on them, certain being bedazzled by them, uh, hypnotized by them, drawn in by them. Mm. So it's not, uh, that's not a self, that's that's a mechanism, that's an, that's an energy that does that. Is it possible to work on that energy of non, we call it non-clinging. Mm. Clinging isn't something we do, it's something that occurs and I 
and the experience that results from that. It's not that I cling, it's just that cling generates a sense of the self. I'm clinging to the aggregates. Dispositions are one way in which we understand the word sankara, an aggregate, it's an activation. These activated programs arise, so, and they they are prone to being clung, clinging hovers around them. And then, ah, this is what I am, and I shouldn't be like this. So the clinging starts going. So this sense of really patiently taking time to allow this decision to arise has to arise, and we have the grounding the understanding, the confidence, and the capacity to soften, widen, ease, allow it to speak, listen, let it fade, let it pass, move on. Such a complex mass, this inheritance of dispositions, that it's not always the case that one just pops up out of a blank sheet and then disappears again that's it, we're all totally chilled it's more likely there's a whole mass of bubbling and heaving and then one thing pops up it begins to cease and another one pops up or something else comes to mind so certainly in in retreat practice Dhamma practice, you really put away as many as possible you can <laughs> of these uh, topics where dispositions can arise, like concerns about job, future, family, that, 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 that. It's really what you can shelve, you put aside. There'll be plenty to deal with, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, people say, oh, I'm not really getting much go, nothing, nothing really bothering me, I'm having a, I'm having a good retreat because I'm not getting upset about anything. I'm not, I can't be dealing with anything. So, there you are, it's called worry. <laughs> not enough suffering here. It's called worry. So there it is. So you've got to just na- name it. There's a certain stress there, isn't there? Doubt. What's going on? <laughs> what am I supposed to be dealing with? What am I supposed to be dealing with? I don't know how to do this. That's called doubt. Yeah, of course it is, yeah. Didn't realise it. Isn't it like that? How amazing. And then when you see it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Because the tendency to, to be these dispositions is so innate, so grounded, because they're familiar. And then we're in them. So what is, what really helps is to it is generating a form that one can then you know, rely upon. Um, and these forms are relatively anonymous. Uh, so, for example, the form of, of sila, virtue. It's not like different kinds of uh, non-violence, different kinds of people. It's the same quality. Universally, universal qualities such as virtue and then taking that in. So you've got something there that acts as a non-self experience. Quality definitely is something one can return to, reflect upon, feel out, 
it's not just rule keeping, it's a quality of conscience and concern, tenderness, sensitivity, uh, and uh, what, what you take in that, you know, upright. There's, a, there's something you can detect as a perception, as a, as a feeling to it, feeling of bright, agreeable, steadying, calming. It's definite. So within that, holding that and referring to that again and again, this is a, always considered such a necessary step. I mean, people can also recognize and generate the field of the triple gem. Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha reflect on that. Steady. Beautiful. And within the, such, such qualities, such perceptions, you know, they are perceptions when we crystallize them, what they mean to me, what they mean to you. And resting in that. And you see, ling- so you've got something the mind chitta can linger in. This is a process called jaya, jhana. Jhana, well, the verb is jaya, jayati, means to absorb. And this is considered, this is Buddha's exhortation. This is what one is encouraging one to do. So we absorb, it means you dwell in, you linger in, you wait, you rest, you take in, you feed, you joy. You know, you let your chitta settle and sink into a quality that is not the self, not a topic of one's selfhood, not delayed in time not something in the future or the past uh, not something that that is acquired through grabbing or resisting but something that we can you know, there's a settling then you've got a quality there jitta becomes strengthened fed, nourished uh, given ground given a, a ballast you could say so the upheavals don't heave so much and then you can recognize more clearly because against that level when you experience something like that then these upheavals stick out more clearly well that's, that's, that's doubt that's restlessness that quality and in the act of recognition it's not a self it's not me it's a quality and tracking that the quality of sila is held to be a condition that supports gladness pomoja so rather than righteousness or judging everyone as immoral not as good as I am or going to hell you know, or things of that nature. That's not that's not that's not a chittery experience. That's the experience uh, of thinking and judging. Uh, the dwelling in it, one experiences the sense of something glad, gladly lingering it, absorb into it. Gladness is there. You don't create gladness, but the sense of virtue gives rise to gladness if it's lingered in. 
the non-harming, the speech is not non-aggressive, non-judgmental. Gives rise to that quality. Heart is soothed by that. So, the nature of jitta is it does acquire, it does learn, it does take on, even though we phenomena regarded as transient, that's true, but these qualities can linger long enough in order to give a foundation for furthering. As we all recognize, you know, it's certainly many of the phenomena in our mind we wish were more impermanent than they are. They may be impermanent, but the painful ones are not as impermanent <laughs> as one wish them to be. <laughs> if you contemplate, they do pop up and pass away, but they pop up again. And then again and again and again. So they've been acquired. And so there's something about it it reiterates its, its acquisitions. Therefore, the best kind of acquisition is going to be an acquisition that gives rise to gladness happiness, ease, because that acquisition is then a foundation whereby other dispositions can be recognized for what they are. Disposition towards craving, abusiveness, hostility, violence, deceitfulness, can be recognized for what it is, a stressful, ugly, not beautiful, not self, and something we become this is, you know, we step back from and allow it to dissolve. But certainly in that process, one, all the potentials are still there to feel those, have those experiences popping up. So the sense is this uh, process is one by, they have to be allowed to pop up in order to be seen for what they are. So it's not entirely true that we're suppressing uh, these defiled states because if they're not seen as they are then they can't really be removed like you, you can know, see you know mowing the lawn and taking the roots of the grass out so the, the absorbing process to give the chitra a foundation and then reviewing what arises within that, such as it is. The absorption of intercealance still allows plenty of things to arise. It's not that deep an absorption. Its quality is a certain gladness and confidence. And within this, the boundaries of self and other become much more less occluded by aversion, fear, um, and so forth, domination, and so on. So that boundary becomes clean of malice or negative or afflictive qualities. Therefore, one is, there is gladness. One found to that extent the boundary is clear. Relieved, therefore, is gladness. Mm. 
getting a handle on this, dwelling in it, also allows our attention to become more restful. Because the very sense of the comfort and the, sati- and the satisfactoriness of, of, of a happy heart in that degree makes us less frantic, less uh, pressurized to acquire something. Our attention becomes more relaxed, less frenzied, less running around searching for this and that to feel good in. So when you ask yourself, you know, what is it that runs, you say your mind is racing from this to that, well, in some ways you say, no, that's not your mind, that's just your attention. Although they seem to be synonymous, because naturally attention is a factor of mind, but it's not yourself, it's attention. Why is attention running around? Because it is not found a satisfactory object. Well, Maybe I need to run around to find a satisfactory object. Seems logical, doesn't it? In some ways, it does run around, but what one is saying, well, actually, if the attention relaxes, the quality of ease comes in. That's a satisfactory object. A satisfactory object is not just created by fixation upon external phenomena, but actually moderating the quality of attention itself. Can it linger, pause? Can it, in that lingering and pausing, we're able to recollect, deepen into qualities such as virtue, generosity, gratitude and contentment, which we didn't notice. The narrow, frantic attention doesn't notice that. It's not, it's not capable of it. Cannot do it. It takes a softer thing, softer quality to drink in, to listen, to abide in. And then what do we, what do we feel? What do we notice? We may notice several, many things, but the sense is to incline towards the virtues, the results of it those who have been kind to us, the non-abuse that has been shown, generosity that has been manifested, and feelings then of homolgia. So when we recollect uh, the sila and, and goodness, it's not just our own, but that which we notice in, in the human condition. It's just universal. We take it in. Gladdened. This causes your attention to just get less frantic, less speedy, less running around, less trying to make things work. This is the process, lingering, jaya, jayati of absorbing in the skillful. When one's attention is relaxed, then the Buddha, not collapsed, but relaxed, restful, the Buddha says, if your attention is relaxed, your mind is relaxed in this respect, your body will start to feel more comfortable. Mm. 
because the nervous system is is operating a more natural state a state that's more conducive to bodily well-being clearly we still have aches and pains and toothache and so on but the heightening of those experiences because one's on edge nervy tense, prickly, reactive if your attention is more loose generous, appropriate you begin to experience the nervous energy is, is much steadier that steadying of the nervous energy in the body, the body feels more relaxed and we begin to also discern subtler qualities within this embodiment such as breathing in and breathing out such as space around us such as uh, warmth bodily warmth such as groundedness phenomena that are really universal not myself, not specifically mine not my personal history not what's happened to my body right now but happening all the time so then also not self the the afflicted attention in its, in, a, in its fixated state will tend to be drawn towards aspects of embodiment that are conducive to the sense of self yeah. so my pain in my yeah, the shape of my uh, the, the sickness in my the uh, whatever of mine goes to that whereas the more uh, appropriate attention suitable attention feels this is the space of embodiment this is the ground of embodiment this is the rhythmic natural ease of embodiment flowing and sure there's these twinges and pangs and aches and pains and this that and the other and yet somehow that is just like details the main thing is fine the main thing is fine and that then with this then your attention because it's no longer so fixated and driven is able to let's just make more of that dwell in that this is absorption and so Buddha saying, well if your body you come into a relaxed body in this respect the happy body the body that's easy that's natural it's also natural that your mind will be happy mm. will be pleased will be contented mm. and in this state we no longer get fixated upon the boundary of the body the shape of it uh, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's just, it doesn't really have a shape at that state much of a boundary really just this effusive quality mind is therefore happy it doesn't have to keep patrolling <laughs> and picking and fussing around getting this right you know 
relaxing. So the mind is happy because it's at ease. And so when the mind is happy and ease, we call this samadhi. This is samadhi, happiness and ease of that. And with this, the, sen- the boundaries of the sense realm start to change. When you're no longer so kind of, you know, so distinctly configured within the sense realm. You know, with our normal state we see objects quite clearly delineated in, in the, in, for our eyes and so forth. But because Chitta doesn't see things, the delineations that we experience internally are purely generated through resistance, uh, uncertainty, uh, and so on. So when you come to in your sitting practice, if you're practicing this uh, you know, embodied state, uh, it's, you start to spread it. The Buddha's recommendation one is thoroughly sensitive to the entire embodiment, soothing it so we come to the edges of it and keep breathing out through the edges of our embodiment. And so all these, each one of these, uh, of course you can take more steps, but just these kinds of processes, the sense of boundaries of behavior, become steady. Boundaries of behavior come steady because we've got a central principle. Central principle is to others as to myself. You might want to encapsulate it. Around that central principle, the boundaries, our behavior has boundaries. There's certain things, no, it's not a matter of, you know, it's just, this is not a matter of um, personality or of uh, aversion is just no, you don't do this because it's not suitable. Um, the energy around that is not to be followed. And so the, when you get a strong center, the boundaries become safe and clean of disagreeable or, or afflictive energies, dispositions that generate suffering and regret. Within that, the important thing is to bring it to mind and dwell upon it. This is the most accessible field for human beings. We are innately moral beings. This may seem surprising when you regard the nature of human societies. (laughs) But it just shows how lost we are because, see, you know, wolves and, and lions are not immoral. They just kill things, but they don't hate them. They don't have grudges. They don't have ideological fixations on them. They've just got to eat something. They're not, you know, going around feeling you've got a big grudge against deer. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be wiped out. They don't want the deer to be wiped out. But you see, we, we, don't, we don't need to feed another human beings. <laughs> we still shoot them. Kill them. Because <laughs> we, we have grudges and fear them and hate them and jealous of them and so forth. So, so certainly there's this quality in us. You know. 
that, that can uh, can be can immoral. Lions are not moral or immoral. They're just amoral, you know, and they, you know, they 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 look after the young and so on. But because we're immoral, we're also moral. We have that moral sense. We have a moral sense, even though we have a moral configuration. This is why we can be immoral, because we have that. We're in that field. Behavior. We have choice over behavior. Other creatures have much less choice. We have a great degree of choice over behavior. This is what moral means. We have the ability to adjust our mores, our customs. And uh, when there's negative afflictions, we adjust those customs, behaviours in a negative way. But because we have that ability to adjust, we also have the ability to adjust them in a non-afflictive way. And so this is our effort. Build those boundaries, what is gladdened. One subjective chitta feels comfortable. Dwell in it. This is something that's frequently lost because the way our, our minds work is we do it, finished, done it, I'm okay. Behave, check the box, on to the next thing. Yeah, I'm okay, I haven't hurt anybody, fine. No, that's not what it's about. It's not about just keeping rules. It's about sustaining a boundary that within that you can derive the pleasure of that. And the pleasure of it tends to remove the agitation and regret and feeling one hasn't done enough and inadequate. Yeah. If you have done what could be done in terms of the behaviour. You've done what could be done in terms of the behaviour. There's other things you might be able to do, but you've done what definitely could be done. And so feeling contented and satisfied with that. Your attention is then able to be more wise, feel more ability to, to select rather than be frenzied, rushing on to the next thing. The quality of the, the jhana of that, the absorption of that, soothes one's attention, soothes one's nervousness, soothes one's frenzies, soothes one's doubts. Therefore attention becomes steadier, more soothed, and then you can place it carefully. You the right kind of attention, careful attention. Therefore, one is mindful of appropriate topics. What is careful attention? When one is agitated, don't give attention to topics that agitate you, even though that's what you will do. Thinking that way, you'll solve, solve them. When you have doubt, don't give attention to things that cause you doubt, even though you believe that if you give enough attention to them, you'll work them out. But if you do, you'll get to the next set of doubts. Because the disposition of doubt has not been released. <laughs> it just 
creates some more topics. Disposition will always generate more topics and feel doubt about. So if you solve one set of doubts, the disposition has just been given some more, you know, some more um, highlights, so that it will generate some more. This is why thinking doesn't take you to answers, it takes you to doubt. Well, thinking that's, that's aiming to solve doubt takes you to more of it. So we give attention to not topics that cause us speculation, could be, should be, would be, will I, won't I, why am I, but to, this is a place where there isn't doubt. There is virtue. Virtue is beautiful. You see what I mean? This kind of careful attention, because you're not fixated on your, your habitual patterns, the most familiar patterns. This softening, loosening, flexing of attention is so important. Attention is going to be grabbed by the most innate dispositions and often the most self-forming dispositions which are the most familiar and reactive. Attention will be grabbed by those. That's the easy one. You've got a fear disposition. You will find yourself, you know, stuck in, you know, going to these things where you imagine people dislike you or hostile to you because you looked like that, or he wouldn't sit. He's, he moved his chair at the breakfast table. Shows how much he hates me. <laughs> <laughs> he moved away. You know, something or the other. Really, you know, the person sitting behind me. I can feel her animosity <laughs> coming into my shoulders because, you know, and who knows? But the, the, this disposition, it's really, oh, these things have got so much power in them. So you say, okay, when there's fear, you can't say don't be frightened, but you can give yourself a tend to that place of non-fear such as, you know, I have generosity, I have not, you know, non-abusiveness as my foundation. Giving attention to that, lingering that gladness. And the more you do that, you you decrease the power of of these afflictive self-forming dispositions. This is the basic principle of meditation, isn't it? that selecting attention. So you've got to make attention something that can be selected, can be arranged, and not just the focus, but the act of focusing itself. Is it clenched, tight, got to, fine? Is it like that? That kind of attention is always going to be, uh, you know, subject to self. It's a narrow, hard attention, subject to self formations, which are the narrowest uh, qualities we have, the most compulsive, constrictive qualities. So we just relaxing it through attending to the signs that cause it to relax. Gladness, gratitude, contentment. Okay. Now, fit. Attention is now fit. Now you have fitting attention. 
Yeah. Can we direct that towards this very body? You know, whole of it, part of it, the breathing of it, the heat of it, the mass of it. You know, just where does it fit? Where does that quality of attention fit? You know, like what clothes do you put on? Where do, what what do you wrap this? Where do you what do you wrap your attention around that maintains that quality of appropriate attention? And rest in that, wait in that, and seeing what, experiencing what you can experience within that. So this is the way in which we're going to find the body begins to be less, uh, more comfortably held. And I would use a, a phrase like that comfortably held rather than witnessed not that I've got anything against, you know, not saying we shouldn't be observant or attentive just be careful about even what the idea of witnessing can come across as on a subconscious level because to be seen is to be a target to witness is often to discriminate to judge, to but to hold in a in a in a appropriate way is comfortable. This is when we're using that kind of attention. It's like you know, doing between just attention and mindful awareness. It's like, say, if I pick up the page and look at these letters, attention will see the white, the black, the shapes. It may even be able to, you know, I can, I can form, I see those letters. I'm attentive to those letters. Mindfulness, I read, that says, chanting. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, that says meditation. Oh. <laughs> that says wake up 4.30. Oh. <laughs> That's called mindfulness. <laughs> Whereas attention, you just go, there's a 4, a 3, a 0, a, you know. I'm seeing the same thing, aren't I? So at least if one's mindful, one is recognizing, oh, the chitta is disturbed. It's agitated, and therefore, let's look at the white behind those black <laughs> or the space inside the O. You'll know. <laughs> you know. So, as I said, you're going to select within that, you know, the places where one at one's jitter is more comfortable without dropping the sheet. You see what I mean? So, the sheet is a you use the sheet as our body. And you could, of course, just put the body, legs, arm, breathing in, breathing out, this, that, this, that, this, that, maybe that, you know, but also how, holding it, like, oh, this is the painful piece, this is the, where's the comfortable piece? Where's the piece with the chitta most readily, ah, ah, yes. It could be the whole form, could be, you know, the edge of your skin, it could be the tingling in your skin, it could be the warmth out warmth of it, 
Could be the posture of it. Could be the breathing of it. But this is you have to really go with what you can what arises that you can find. The cause is these dispositions, negative dispositions to abate. You're debating of negative dispositions as the acquisition of, of positive jitta states. These positive jitta states, step by step, as they move on, begin to release certain features from the mind. Concerns about behavior disappear. Concerns about appearance disappear. Concerns about physical contact pleasure, pain begin to disappear. So, in this way the chitra is, is steadily released from these areas where it's normally trapped and held. This is the process. And in all of these aspects of oneself, one's personal package begin to settle and release. So the liberation of chitta is the liberation of stress and the liberation from self. So let's practice in such a way. Andamayam damakataya sadhukaram dalamusei Sāmi, Sāmi